Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The premise for today's pod is simple. Imagine a world where the big six clubs, that is Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham and um, Arsenal can only sign one player this summer. Now, it's not that far-fetched given the COVID-19 pandemic currently unsettling economies across the globe. So who should these clubs sign? But first, some introductions. I'm Ben Snowball, and you'll all be familiar with guest number one. That's Pete Charland, who is a regular on these shores. Pete, welcome back. Thanks, Ben. Always good to be here. Hopefully this goes off without a hitch. I can't. I think we can all promise that won't happen. Uh, You'll also recognise the dulcet tones of Michael Hinks, who is a relieved man after Aston Villa swerved relegation to the Championship. Thanks to Hawkeye. Good to have you on board again, Mike. Nice to be back, Benjamin, and nice to be in the Premier League still. (laughs) And it's also time to hand a Game of Opinions debut to Mr James Truscott. Now, are you excited for this, James? Yeah, definitely. It should be be good, good fun. Right, let's get on with the show. Very simple format. We'll go through the clubs in alphabetical order in order to avoid complaints. We'll each make our individual arguments before some minor squabbling about three minutes per team for anyone planning on skipping through Arsenal and Chelsea. So without further ado, Arsenal and first into bat, Mr. Pete Charland. Okay, so Arsenal, their attack is pretty much set. I know they're being linked to Jocelyn Fernandez, hat tip to James. He's written a lovely profile on the site that everyone should go check out on the youngster from Sporting. But I think they need it. They need reinforcements further back. Weirdly, I actually think there's something that Arteta's doing there with that back three. I think that works. So for me, they need a midfielder. And I think the best signing for them would be Thomas Partey. I know they've been really heavily linked with him in the media right now. Basically, I think it comes down to the fact they don't want to pay his release clause because they haven't got the European football money that they can rely on. I think they need to find a way to make a deal with Atletico, maybe go up to 35, 40 million euros and throw in Matteo Quinduzzi and see if they bite. But they need something else in that midfield. There's a couple of decent options there. You look at Lucas Torreira, Danny Ceballos. But for me, it's got to be Thomas Partey. I think he brings so much to the midfield, both going forward and defensively. He really is a complete player. and I think he would help elevate them to the next level. Uh, yeah, for me, I think probably go further back and into that defence. I mean, other targets elsewhere, like you said, forward, fine. I think these Coutinho links, I'd be a bit stunned. But then for defensive, I think talking a centre-back, and I think you have to be entirely realistic as for Arsenal. And I don't think they're going to get these mega targets, these mega names. And I think that they have to go and poach from a Premier League team. I was going to say rival, but maybe they wouldn't want to consider like Leicester or Sheffield United or... Southampton as rivals, but I think you are talking of a Jan Bednarek, you're talking of a James Tarkovsky, just someone who's already proven in the Premier League, but will be able to come into that side and actually probably be the leader among the two or three centre-backs, depending on what Arteta does. So I 
I would probably go for Tarkovsky, to be fair. 27, still a good four or five year contract in him. And I think he would definitely do the job for him and start every week. James, you're deep in a transfer piece where you're picking out what all 20 Premier League clubs should do. You've obviously, I'm guessing, probably picked two or three for Arsenal, but if you had to pick one. Yeah, well, I, I definitely agree with Mike on the notion that Arsenal should go for a centre-back because although Arsenal have so many centre-backs, what are a lot of them doing there? Like Mavropanos, <laughs> Chambers. Sometimes you forget that these people are actually on Arsenal's books. But weirdly, even though Arsenal do have so many centre-backs, obviously a lot of them aren't particularly very good. But at the same time, they've only got one left-footed centre-back and that's Pablo Murray, whose deal they've just made permanent, um, even though he only played three games for them. Based on that, Arsenal been linked to Malang Sarr, the French under-21 international centre-back, and he would come on a free from Nice, so he's budget-friendly. I think that would work. Although alternatives, I would agree with what Mike was saying about the likes of Tarkovsky and people like that. I think maybe a Premier League signing or a signing from a relegated team, like, say, Ben Godfrey from Norwich, for example, would work. Just a budget centre-back, young, with room to improve, who could possibly get first team minutes straight away. I like it. I think everyone's making valid points here. Pete, you've basically already made my argument. Uh, I'm also going for uh, Thomas Party. I just think if you had one transfer to make with this Arsenal team and you knew that Saliba was coming back from France and he and he seems by all accounts if you listen to the noises coming out of France whatever that cliche means it seems like he's worth a shot in central defence and they seem to have steadied slightly in that position under Arteta I just wonder if then for therefore given that the Torreira isn't that good for me Gwendozi's off I think Thomas Partey's the man thing is I think you're right to bring up Saliba because I think that's what I was going to say in response to Hinksy and James. He's obviously the one, you're not bringing him back for him just to play in the Europa League and the FA Cup for Christ's sake, like you're bringing him back because you think he's going to be able to start. I think Arteta's going to stick with his back three for another season at least. I think it works. I think it's a mm. nice way to get the best out of Aubameyang and Lacazette. So you've got to imagine that um, Saliba's going to slot into one of those spots. He probably won't play centrally because I think Luis will play there. But I think even though he's a teenager, I think he's done enough in Sen- for Senetian to suggest that he can do it. It's worth a go anyway. And it's one signing. So I think that's going back to what Snowball said. I think you want that to be in midfield because as James said, they've got a lot of centre-backs. I mean, they're not, they're not all great, admittedly, but I think they've probably got enough to cope whereas they need midfielders. Yeah, I hear that. I think like you've mentioned um, with the back three, whether that becomes Mikel Arteta's long-term tactic. I guess we'll see. With that back three, what's interesting is Arsenal have so much versatility with the players, not only in their attack, but also defensively. Because often what we've seen is, I mentioned their lack of left-footed centre-backs, but Kieran Tierney can sometimes slot in as the left centre-back in that trio. And obviously he's left-footed. And so often you might have Kieran Tierney as part of the back three, and then either Kalatanach or Saka as the left wing back so I guess they've got a lot of versatility with there I just think in midfield with party I've got a feeling that Arteta really likes Ceballos they've already made Cedric and Mari's loan deals permanent based on not many minutes of action and I could see Arteta and Arsenal making Ceballos permanent just off the little sparks that they've seen even though he hasn't performed consistently well Fair point. It's a fair point I think we've we've used up our three minutes quite comfortably on Arsenal let's switch over to Chelsea, let's mix it up this time. Mike, you go first. I think, well, in Chelsea's instance, we're talking about a team that is going to make them go from third and fourth to somehow challenging Liverpool and Man City. And I'm going to go Nick Pope from Burnley. I look at Kepa and I feel really sorry for him, but you can't have too much room for sentiment at the moment. 
The one moment for me was really that Liverpool game. I think it was an injury time anyway, where that cross came in and you can hear six or seven times his, uh, his own defence are shouting, Kepa, 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 and he just doesn't come for it. And you need that authority and you need your team to have a confidence in you. And his confidence is beyond shot at the moment. And I think that Chelsea needs someone with that authority, with someone that you can trust in in goal to then have that. I mean, the confidence, it just flows through the team from in goal. And we've seen that with Liverpool. We've seen that with Man City. And that's exactly why both United and Chelsea are that much further back. I'm just, just going to quick, we just need to clarify a few rules here. You can't have Havertz and Pope. So who are you, who are you taking? You've got to take Pope, I'm guessing, after that. Uh, yeah, if he's not, even if Havertz isn't going, I would... I would still pick Pope because I think they've got such an abundance of attacking quality that the biggest thing that needs addressing there is the goalkeeper at the moment. Yep. James, where are you looking? I think that Chelsea fans have every reason for optimism because I think they've surprised themselves and they've surprised everyone else this season by making the top four. The way the young players have stepped up is so impressive and it'll be interesting to see whether the players they bring in complement those young players or whether they go down the typical Chelsea route and block all their paths. I really like what they've done so far. Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech for the prices they got them for in a region of 40 million. I think that's crazy for that level of talent. I think the one problem position is the goalkeeping. I mentioned this in the piece that I'm writing, but uh, Kepa has the worst save percentage in the whole Premier League comfortably this season. So I definitely think they need to make, need to sign a goalkeeper. The problem is when you spent 70 million and you made him the world's most expensive goalkeeper and he's performed bad in his first season and even worse in his second season, who's going to want him? So I really feel like they're going to have to start off with a loan deal, perhaps back to Spain. Maybe um, Bilbao will want him. And, you know, Chelsea will probably have to pay the bulk of his wages as well because I hear he's on 150k per week. And then they're just going to have to hope that he plays well and that they can maybe recoup, I'd say, about half that transfer fee. But as a replacement, obviously, Mike went with Nick Pope. I think Nick Pope is an interesting proposition. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the Prem and I don't think he would cost too, too much. Oblak would be the dream for them, but I doubt Atletico Madrid would let him go for less than his release clause, which is astronomical. And I I don't think they want to break another world record again just yet. So I think that Andre Anana from Ajax has to be the man. Pete Charland, obviously, is a man with a blue heart. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise you're going to say goalkeeper as well. Like As Hingsley alluded to, both United and Chelsea are looking for keepers. But I think I, I could see De Gea getting back to something resembling form at some point. Kepa just seems completely shot. And I think the crucial difference between Kepa and De Gea is that Kepa's defence seems to have lost complete faith in them. Whereas I think United's defence still believe in De Gea. Um, probably because I've actually got something to think about where he was good, um, mm-hmm. which obviously you, you, you didn't have with Kepa. So for me, I, I probably agree with James. I think Andre Nana is the best shout because I don't think you're going to be able to get Jan Oblak. I like Pope, but I don't think he's good enough with the ball at his feet for what for the style that Lampard wants to play. He's definitely better than people give him credit for. It's not to dismiss him as someone who can't play with the ball at his feet because he definitely can. He's, he's better than a lot of other keepers and he's improved massively. But I think that Anana is probably the perfect option. I think he's going to be cheap enough that Chelsea could definitely get him in. I think if they just hit his release clause, they'll be able, they won't have to deal with Ajax. And he's got the experience, as James pointed to. So I think he makes sense for everyone. Yeah, agreed. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. I have goalkeeper slash centre-back. For the one player, just to mix it up, I won't go for I won't go for Nick Pope. I won't agree. Um, there is a whiff about the Galactico mentality of Chelsea in this summer and the fact they've got Werner, 
Ziyech, Havertz, and there's there's kind of been a real neglecting of the defence. And actually, if you said, well, let's put Willy Caballero in goal, let's give him the number one jersey next season, give that a go. Why not try and get a centre-back? And there's one that is very available and presumably very cheap, given Bournemouth have just slumped to the Championship. Chelsea know him well, Nathan Ake. Now, for me, he seems an obvious buyback option. Um, I think the buyback clause is like £40 million, but you imagine in the current climate, Bournemouth now needing money, that he'd be the one to go for. Yeah, that's true. With Bournemouth relegated, they might be able to get him cheaper. But uh, You're not convinced by him, are you? I do rate him, but I think for Chelsea, the fact that they had the option for the buyback clause... It's such a sticky situation. It's one of those things, you know, if you see cheap flights or cheap trainers, they're on, they're, they're on discount, they're on sale. And, and you're there, you've got that tab open and you're pondering over it for a few days. And you think, ah, oh, no, I'll leave it. And then the flight goes back up to normal price. And next, thing, and next thing you know, you're paying hundreds to go to Spain. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, it doesn't feel the same anymore. That's how it would feel if Chelsea bought um, Ake after missing out on the buyback clause. It would, they, they would be glad to get the player, but at the same time, they'd be wishing that they, they bought him on discount in the January sales. That's a superb analogy. I, sus, I suspect he would still be cheap. I'm not actually sure of the, the situation of the buyback clause. I'm not sure if it's still active or not, but Liverpool, I'll kick us off for Liverpool because it's one of the few that I've got proper notes written down for. Um, now, I've, I suspect everyone here will potentially say a central midfielder, but for me, that hasn't necessarily proved an issue. And I just think in lockdown, there were signs that that front three, Salah, Mane, Firmino, have started to be figured out. So one option, someone a bit different, who isn't called Divock Origi, um, is Wolves' Adamar Traore. Um, he can rip teams apart and is also used as an impact sub by Wolves already. So he wouldn't be fussed by coming and sitting on the bench, which is normally what, what struggle is. If you want to bring in a good attacker, it's like, well, when, well can I start with Liverpool? No, you can't start. Traore is already a ready-made substitute, basically. And he's been proved that that is basically his best position when he comes off the bench and rips teams apart. I think he would be a good fit, but I think he's got so many other options. Go on, go on. Who, who, who are you going to say? I could see him back at Barcelona. To be honest, I could even see him move to, to Real Madrid. And, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be other suitors across the continent and in the Premier League as well. That said, everyone always will back themselves to break into the team. And when you're joining a winning team like Liverpool, you think that getting trophies is a guarantee. So I guess that is that pull, that is that that attraction. So who would you go? Who would you go for for Liverpool then, James? If I was Liverpool, so you're not you're not going Traore. So where where are we going? Well, I think they need backup fullbacks on both sides, left back, right back. But I don't think that's the most pressing concern because the starting player in each of those positions is really good. If anything, I think that Firmino could be the weak link in that starting eleven. I think Firmino definitely plays a good role. He's a nice pivot. And he plays his role nicely, but I just think his finishing and how clinical he is can be improved. Admittedly, that's not the solitary reason that he's in the team. And I think because he does other things well, he gets away with perhaps not finishing as many chances as he should because they've got Mane, they've got Salah. But I think having Firmino there and Origi, Origi's chipped in with some nice goals as an impact sub, but Origi's 25 now. He's been in Liverpool a few years. I can see him thinking, right, you know, now... I've won everything there is. Now let me just prove myself as a starting striker somewhere else. And I think Liverpool can improve him in as a backup option anyway. I think Timo Werner would have been good to challenge Firmino for that starting role. But I would go for someone like Marcus Chiram from Borussia Mönchengladbach or Jonathan David, the Canadian striker at Ghent, because they're both quite young. They're both early 20s. And I think they'd be happy to sit on the bench initially, just develop, 
just chip in with some sub appearances, at least for a couple of years, while also breathing down Bobby Firmino's neck. Yeah, I understand the the point about Firmino, I think, and I can also see Traore being a decent option. But I mean, yeah, we're talking about one transfer that we think that would absolutely transform a team. And how do you transform a team that got 99 points? How do you transform a team that's almost, almost perfect? And I think that you're probably looking for a goal-scoring midfielder. And I'd be hesitant to bring back Coutinho. So that's why I would go all out and try and poach Kai Havertz from Chelsea's grasp, basically. That is the one option I would go for because you've got Salah and Mane, 18 and, 19 and 18 goals in the Premier League this season. Firmino, 9. He'll be disappointed with that regardless of what else he brings to the team, which those qualities are clear for everyone to see. So I don't think you should go disrupting that front three. And I think that's probably why Werner... They were a bit against going for Werner, just this this fear of breaking this front three and what that might do to the team and the cohesion. So I think if you bring in Habits when the next, well, yeah, basically the next one after those three was Van Dijk on five goals. And you've got their midfielders chipping in with valuable goals at valuable times, like Lalana at Old Trafford, and Milner and Wijnaldum, some late goals, some late winning goals as well during the season. So, yeah, I mean, Habits like, he got 12 goals, six assists in the Bundesliga this season. But he's 21. He's only going to get better. And if you can get a midfielder to chip in with 10 plus, maybe 15, add that onto Salah's 20, maybe Mane's 20, and whatever Firmino can get, I think you've got the one player and the one position that would actually really need strengthening for next season to defend that title. Right, I'm going to start by dissecting all of your arguments and then give my player. So <laughs> for Hinks's ones, you can dismiss that straight away because it's meant to be a realistic signing and the chances of Liverpool spending 70 or 80 million on Habits is just zero, I think. For the for James and Snowball, you both obviously mentioned attacking players. I think from looking at what Klopp said this off-season in particular, I think they're backing a lot on players like Harvey Elliott, Rian Brewster, Takumi Minamino, all like taking big steps forward. I think they're really putting their eggs in that basket. The one type of player I think that team is missing, even when you factor in the academy players, is a midfielder who can control games and who can pick passes and unlock defences. I think next season you're going to see a lot of teams sit even deeper against Liverpool to stop that press, try and play out if they can. And I think eventually it's going to frustrate Liverpool in certain games. And I think they're going to need a player who not not quite De Bruyne, but maybe even David Silva-esque, who can sort of unlock these unlock these defenses and find the right pass, and that's got to be Thiago from Bayern. I think it's the obvious mm. signing. He's Bayern have told him basically that he can leave. He, he's told them he wants to go. Now they've got to find the right price. Klopp wants him. He wants to play for Klopp. I think as long as they can get that deal done, it's going to be a win-win situation for everyone. He offers something that none of their midfielders at the moment really do, and even. Someone like Curtis Jones who's coming through, like I think he could do that eventually, but he's not going to do it now. He's a teenager still. So I think if you've got Thiago, he's someone who'll help, A, he'll help them recycle possession because they're going to have even more of the ball next season. And B, in those last 20 minutes, because I think how many games this season where Liverpool were actually like, they were fighting to, for the win or for the draw in the last 20 minutes. It actually happened more than you'd think. There were a lot of late goals in this Liverpool team. That's partly down to how fit they were. But actually, if you have Thiago in there who can pick the passes for Salah, Mane, Firmino, and if someone like Navi Keita takes a step forward, he can be the goal-scoring midfielder that you want, that he thinks he was alluding to. Mm. And I think Thiago is the one who sort of fills that gap in what is otherwise a very complete starting eleven. Is it, is it controversial to say that I think the, the centre midfielder player you described and you consider Thiago to be, I think... Liverpool fans often delude themselves into thinking that Henderson is that guy. I love Jordan Henderson. I, I like him. I like him, but I don't think he's that guy. No, I think. But the thing is, I don't think he's. I don't think it's his role in the team anymore either. I think he does play those 
those balls in over the top sometimes and he does still like the long breaking pass but I think he plays a very simple game now and if anything it's his mentality and force of will that makes him crucial so I think he's not I think even if he'd been training at this since he was 19 I think he was ever going to have the vision and technique that Thiago has I think Thiago's mm. just one of those special players and I think that's why you need someone like him I don't think Henderson can do that role I think there's more to come from Naby Keita as well to be honest I think Liverpool fans will be expecting that as well. I think injury and a few other problems hasn't quite kicked on the year that they would have maybe hoped for originally. And I think that it'll be a bit of a cliche as well, but I think that they might see him as a new signing next season. I think maybe play more regularly. And I don't think they'll go get Havertz. I don't think they'll go and get an attacking midfielder. And I think, like Charlotte said, I think that they will just rely on what's there. And yeah, they probably do have enough at least uh, go and get 90 plus again. So it's just on what City and the rest of the chasing pack can do. Yeah, exactly. And Thiago, well, according to today, Thiago seems like he's available about 30 million euros. So Charlton, perhaps yours is the most realistic. I am aware that time is rushing by. So Manchester City, very, very simple. Has anyone said anyone other than Kalidou Koulibaly? No, you got me there. <laughs> Guilty. I have. I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah but it, it, comes, it, comes back to, it comes back to the Havertz thing. Like, I don't... I said Nathan Acker because I don't think that Koulibaly is particularly realistic. I don't. Th- I think Koulibaly is, ex- is a way better defender than Nathan Ake is. But Nathan Ake is good. He's available and he's going to and he counts as homegrown. Like then I just he's available for a third of the price of what Napoli going to demand for Koulibaly. I just I just even even with the FFP ban lifted, I don't see City paying that. So I agree, it's a centre back, but for me, it's Nathan Ake. I read that Koulibaly was talking about how he wants to stay in Napoli for the rest of his career. And his release clause, his price is crazy. Based on based on who Manchester City were trying to sign in January and based on who they're linked with now, I think they're trying to go for someone young. Because remember, they came close to signing the Ukrainian um, young centre-back uh, Machevenko, Mikola Machevenko, in January. And now they're being heavily linked with Nathan Ake. So I think that's the vein of signing that Manchester City going for I mean yeah it definitely has to be a centre-back but yeah I think it will likely be a young player in that of that ilk rather than Koulibaly or Skriniar for example all right then Manchester United let's keep this concise let's keep this bold um James let's start with you with Manchester United I think either a left-back or a centre-back probably a left-back because I think in centre-back they've got options if Bailly stays fit I think he's a good centre-back option for them I think Lindelof can continue to develop and I think Maguire can be clumsy, but he, I think he's slightly underrated by, in some quarters. So, yeah, definitely a left back because Shaw, I wouldn't really say is good enough to be the starting left back for a Champions League club, for a top four club. The fact that Brandon Williams has already began to start games in place of Shaw at times demonstrates that. Ben Chilwell will be the ideal option, but he seems more likely to join Chelsea. I've seen United linked to the Monaco left back Valo Torre, who plays for France under 21s. So perhaps he'll be an improvement, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not really buying this issue about United's defence, to be honest. I think they conceded three more goals than... Yeah, genuinely, I can see Charlotte's face. Uh, <laughs> three more goals than Liverpool all season. Are we talking about Liverpool? Like, we're not talking about their problems. I mean, you take away De Gea's mistakes and they might have got had the best defence in the league in terms of conceding goals. I'm not saying that one stat covers all the issues, but I just think that you have a 180 million plus defensive line there. And the biggest issue out of there is the left back. And I think you have Brandon Williams coming through. So for me, the problem is further forward. And I know that 
we've talked about their attacking qualities, but but Luke Shaw doesn't offer enough going forwards as a left back. He's in, I think, in his whole Manchester United career. Obviously, it's not the primary thing that a left back should be doing, but he's got one goal in, I think, about ninety games this season. He's got zero assists. Mm. I think as a fullback, you should at least be getting assists. And I think certainly on the right side, Wan-Bissaka is very good defensively, but doesn't really offer much going forward. Yeah, I think I think that's just because of what Alexander Arnold and Robinson have done to the game. I think they've just completely transformed the way that we see fullbacks. I don't think we're having a go at Walker and Mendy maybe two years ago when City were winning the league. I don't think we're having a go at them for maybe getting under 10 assists just because of Alexander Arnold now setting this new bar year after year. So, I mean, for me, if I was strengthening United in one area and I'm saying that they actually need one player that might challenge for the league, I'm going to go all out and um, follow a name that's been out there the past few days and just say Harry Kane. The one position it would be centre forward where they can update. <laughs> that was such a see. tease. It was like, he's going to say Jadon Sancho. He's going to say Jadon yeah, Sancho. No, I, can, <laughs> I, can, I can see nothing back at me, but uh, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to... I'm going to say, if you're going to go out there and spend 100 on Sancho, maybe 70 on Grealish, which it sounds like they're calling that interest anyway. For me, one is better than two. And if you get Harry Kane in that centre-forward role, you're, you're, you're challenging for the league. If you've got Sancho out wide, I don't, I don't then go and say, United, you know what, you're title challengers. I just don't. And if I see Harry Kane starting up front, he is an upgrade on Martial and... He's going to guarantee 25. And yeah, you're, you're looking at a frightening team with Marshall as a backup option. Pete shaking his head. Pete's absolutely fuming. I mean, I think Ingrid might have misunderstood the notion of this exercise because I, again, I just don't <laughs> see Harry Kane as realistic. Until, until I read somewhere that Kane has handed in a transfer request then I'll believe it's actually possible. Is- Even then, it's not likely because Daniel Levy is going to demand at least £150 million for him. And you're not in this... In this su- yeah, they're not going to do it this summer with the pandemic. Not a chance. What, so, if, what, so what's the difference with two players Kane, spending 150 on two? Why not go out and get one for 150 Kane would not cost well, any more than I, Sancho I, Woods. Kane would not cost any more than Sancho Woods. I, I don't think yeah, I, I don't think they'll spend 150 million on two players. I don't think anyone apart from maybe Chelsea is going to spend over 100 million this summer. Like Man, you could buy a cane for 70, 80. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no chance. Spurs aren't in the Champions League. Yeah, but Tottenham. Daniel Levy's Le- Le- a man. He wouldn't, he wouldn't pick up the phone for 200 million. No. Nah. Kane's under contract. What's Kane under contract for? 2024? I think two years ago, he would have asked for 200 million. I think now we're talking, yeah, I think 150. But also, he, also he's, the, he's the face of the club. If Kane, exactly. So if Kane wanted to leave, it would rock Spurs. It would rock. That's the problem is that there's no, there's, there's no indication that Kane wants to leave. And until that comes, it doesn't matter. And you, I, I appreciate Bale, that. Bale, 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 Bale wanted to leave and Levy was like, you're not going unless I get a world record transfer. And he did. Right. Mm. Okay, Pete, steer us, steer us back. Steer us back to the to the topic. Yeah, sorry. Going back to what uh, James said earlier, I actually agree with him. I think I know what I agree with. I, agree, I know what he said about the defence. But it, with their defence, it's weird. I agree, their record is good, but the eye test doesn't match up. There's something mm. about watching them where I don't feel confident. So I think they need a defensive player. For me... I agree with James, left-back and centre-back are a problem, so why would you not get a player who can do both? So I think David Alaba is the perfect signing for them. Oh, yeah. He's someone who can slot, he can slot in, he'll play, he'll play left-back, centre-back, 
You can even drop in and play in the holding midfield role if you need him. He's so experienced. He wants a new challenge this summer. Bayern are going to consider selling him for the right price, I suspect. So mm. for 40 million, maybe? I don't know. Uh, around that. Doesn't sound realistic to me, Charlotte. What doesn't sound realistic about this, Higsey? Stop digging at me for the sake of it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a shout, you know. I change, I think I change, I change my answer to the Pete's answer. I think I think Oliver's the best best. Mm. I think he just he gives you a bit of everything. Or if, and like, or if they want to, or if they want to break the bank, they can get Alfonso Davis. <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> we've gone um, we've gone unrealistic <laughs> again. Um, I've kind of I've completely bottled this round to be honest. Um, because I presumed you'd all go Jaden Sancho because I didn't really think about the defense. Obviously, the defense is the obvious answer, and I've completely ignored that. I was going to go for Wilfred and Didi just because I really, really, really rate him. Mm. Um, and if you take yeah. a punt and you say with in goal, you say all right, David De Gea or Dean Henderson, one of the two, and you and you give them a season. And you say in the defence, Harry Maguire, all right, well, him and Lindelof. Like, like Mike says, the stats are right. And I know, Pete, the eye test thing, you're right. But for some reason, they don't, they don't concede that many goals. And I just think you want a player to free up their best two assets, which is Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. And I think Wilfred and Didi would do that. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I think there's an area to target, but I just think, I don't know if United would do that given they've got Fred, McTominay and Matic. Are any of them better than Ndidi? No, I don't think so. But if you've got those three players and you're paying them their wages, it's probably hard to justify it. Also, Alaba can play centre mid. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I agree with what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Let's mm. let's let's finish up with Tottenham then. We'll keep we'll keep it brief, mainly because Tottenham probably needs to sign eleven new players. So so picking one's going to be quite tricky. Uh, Mike, do you want to kick us off with Spurs? Oh yeah. So this is going to be shot down as being unrealistic straight away. I'm trying to think of someone who just takes <laughs> they, like, takes the team to that next level, and it's clear that they need to probably replace Ericsson. They need to find a playmaker. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this yet, but for me, it would probably be if you could spend. 60 to 70 million on one player. You're going to say Gareth Bale. Aston Villa's Jack Grealish. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew exactly where that was going. I was, I was 100% confident. The minute we started with I, um, Hanks, I knew where it was going. If, uh, if Villa let him fly the nest, which they will for the right amount, after the perfect present that he left his, the team on, the, on Sunday, I think that he's going to have to be weighing up where exactly he can go. And I, I don't think there are that many options for him that he would say, you know what, I will go there. And I I can't see him going to like the Everton's and the Leicester's, but I can see him maybe willing to go for Tottenham, see what it's like playing under Mourinho. And like, look, he, he spent the season trying to feed in Wesley, Samata and Davis. Can you imagine a season, we're taking away the fact that Kane's obviously going to United. Can you imagine <laughs> a season where Grealish is being paid? Like, like, I really think that it will be... That's the one team that he can transform the most because at United, I just can't see him even fitting into the starting eleven. To be honest, I'm actually going to go next, and I'm going to. I mean, this is this is embarrassing. This argument, but I actually, the more I think about it, the more I really, really like it, and I really, really like the idea of Vincent Company. <laughs> what? Come on, man! Now Spurs, like this Spurs team, is someone who is completely lacking winners, and you've got a guy that kind of dragged Manchester City to the title a year ago, a year and two months ago. And his player manager stint in Anderlecht has gone completely wrong, like completely wrong. Um, And I just wondered, under Mourinho, a team which has no interest in playing with the ball with the centre-backs, whether a player like Company could come in. All right, he doesn't play every game. But that kind of player around that dressing room, I just wonder if that might turn them into the winners that they need to be. For God's sake, Yaya Torres in in, in London already. Why don't you just sign him up? He's a winner. 
Like, what? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. I, like, I mean, companies, obviously, I don't know, I think he's actually, he's doing, he actually wants to do something at Andalex. I think he's serious about that. He's obviously stepped back to now more of an assistant manager role because it wasn't working for him as a manager. I don't, I don't, I don't believe for one minute that there is a plan for him to leave anytime soon. He's going to learn a bit more about what it takes to be a manager. And I, I believe he's going to have another crack at it in a couple of years' time when he actually probably retires from playing, where it'll be a lot easier for him to focus on that. Obviously, Spurs have lost Jan Vertonghen, but I think there's enough good centre-backs there. And the last time we saw Vincent Kompany, it, despite what Pep Guardiola may say, it wasn't as if he was covering himself in a lot of glory. And I think a year in Belgian football, all respect to Belgian football. I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about what he'll bring to the team, but I agree it's not it's not a flawless argument by any means. Um, so, Pete, please, Pete, please shift it on. Mourinho's bringing in Ledley King, so why don't you get him to do an assistant slash uh, player oh, you imagine a Ledley-Vincent double act? Snowball did say he wanted the Spurs haven't got anyone who's a winner and then bar a league cup, Ledley King doesn't really fit that bill. I mean, Ledley, Ledley King and Vincent Company, I think you would, you would run out of beds in the injury room. <laughs> yeah. All right, steer it back on then. So we've, we've, heard, we've heard from Mike Grealish, we've heard from me, weak shout potentially for Company, although I quite like it. Uh, James, do you want to go next then? Yeah, I think Spurs are, I mean, they're weak. They're weak in so many positions, but I think in particular, both fullback positions, I think... Aurier hasn't really worked out on and off the pitch. And I think Ben Davis, he's okay. He's slightly underwhelming. You want him more as like a rotation option. Based on that, I think I could see Spurs being one of the main culprits for poaching a few players from the relegated teams. And I think they could do a double swoop on um, Norwich. I've seen him linked to Cantwell. But I think who they really need is Max Ahrens, a right back. Um, he's only 20. I think he's, he's he's a good young player. I've seen him linked with Leverkusen and um, Bayern Munich as a potential backup, right-back option for them. But I think Spurs could do no wrong by signing him. Yeah, I agree with James. I actually like that idea. Actually, I agree with Hingsley. I think they need some kind of attacking slash playmaking midfielder. Um, I initially had Grealish down at one stage, but just to be different, I think I'll say Nicolo Zanolio from uh, Roma. He's been... Like very good since he moved there. There's some chat that he wants to move on, get a bit of Champions League football. Obviously, he's not going to get that at Spurs, <laughs> but he might see them as a more realistic option. He might look at the thing, what Mourinho's doing and think that if Harry Kane doesn't go to Man United, then maybe they're going to be able to stay and challenge for the top four spaces. He can play out wide, he can play in the middle, he can be the goal scorer, he can be the creator, he can do a bit of everything, really. He's a super talented kid. And I'd love them to take a look at him and try and bring him in because things he's right. They haven't really replaced Ericsson. I don't know what the thinking was really, whether they thought maybe Ali would become a bit more creative in that sense. If they need someone to come in, I think Sanolio could be a really good shot. Yeah, they were thinking, I think, Giovanni Lo Celso, but he's, he's quite a different player, actually. He's too, he's too busy running around shouting and kicking at everyone, which I love. <laughs> of course you do. And I think on that beautiful note, Pete Charland, I think we should wrap up the podcast. Um, James, thank you very much for joining us for your debut. How has how, it gone? You enjoyed it? It's a bit chaotic, I'll admit it. Yeah, I mean, barring, you know, barring a few erratic shouts. <laughs> for some... Your Harry Kane shout was poor, but the rest of it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apart, apart from that one, I think I've, you know, not ashamed myself, let's say. Mike, always a pleasure having you on as well. How did you find it today? Yeah, good. I'll, um, I'll save this for when Kane joins sometime in August. <laughs> you're so, you're so, so he's upset. Gonna, he's he's, he's so bad. He's going to bookmark it. <laughs> Uh, and obviously thanks to you Pete we seem to do this every single week so I'll definitely see you very very soon it's been delightful I'm going to send you some YouTube clips of Vincent Company and Danny <laughs> I'm really really <laughs> regretting that opinion but I promised my flatmate that I'd try and make an argument for him uh, and I did and I failed um, and on that note it's time to end the show thanks very much for you all listening and remember 
If you haven't already got the message by now, please tell every single person you know about the Game of Opinions podcast by Eurosport. Over and out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.